0: You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Elisa.
1: How are you this week?
0: I am tired. (laughs) I'll be honest, I'm dragging. (laughs) Good thing I already uh, took notes from last time. Hmm. Well, what are we going to talk about this week on Episode 352 of Geekiest Show Ever? Well, we have a couple of things, a little bit of leftovers from last time. And, you know, it's just one of those things we just we just like to talk about it. We're, we're just so nerdy when it comes to password management. And especially you and I have been kind of through the ringer with this whole, you know, converting to password thing and having to get all our families up to speed. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We have some some tips. Um, I have another tip about actual like real tips that that have to do with uh, AirPods Pro. And uh, you were going to give us the I wanted to hear I've been waiting to hear about this. We've been saving it for the podcast about your network saga, your network issues uh, with your new modem or whatever. So we'll talk about that. And um, I had some hardware issues with my AirPods Pro and I went through the replacement uh, with Apple. So I'll give some tips about that, share a little bit about my experience there. Um, I'm still working through some issues with Apple watch and Siri reminders, and I'll tell you a little bit about what I went through with that. And then, uh, to close out, I'm right now I'm going through the trade-in program. I'm going to be trading in some iPads and, and I'll talk a little bit about that. So that's a brief overview. So, okay, now you can, <laughs> if you're interested, keep listening. <laughs> I'm, please sure, please I'm sure, I'm sure we'll, we'll make up some other stuff in there too. You know, we always do. We're we're good for it. Right.
1: Okay, so why don't we start, well, let's just go in the order of the um, the document and start, start with the password management tips.
0: Show notes, what a concept, I know. <laughs> so uh, we were just talking about this pre-show. So you've had a My Social Security account. Um, this is for... People, the uninitiated, who do not yet know, I'm sure a lot of people know about this already. But, you know, it used to be that you could call somebody on the phone or you could go into a building and you could go speak to another human being. And, you know, let's say you changed bank accounts or something and you needed your Social Security checks to go from one place to another. You know, you used to be able to, like, interact with a human to do that kind of stuff. Well, for years and years now, it seems um, they've moved all that stuff online. I don't know if that's just, you know, a reduction in staff and it's a, you know, many savings thing or what, but it well, has it been could be, difficult. It
1: could be security because it used to be every mm. year, I forget what month it was, but every year we would get a statement mm-hmm. that showed you as a four-page statement. I get and that. it would show you how much money every year you, you earned and then how much your Social Security is, would be, assuming you retired on certain dates. We haven't gotten one of those in probably, I'm guessing, at least three years, maybe five. Did, they you sign up for paper? Did you sign up for paperless? Did you sign up for paperless? No, they sent us something that said, you are no longer going to be getting these. You need to sign up for a My Social Security account online. Mm-hmm. And they recommend that you check at least once a year. And if they notice that I didn't, they'll
0: send me an email saying, it's been a while. Why don't you check just to make sure everything is good? Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. Like, I don't know exactly when this started occurring, that they kind of started corralling everybody to to go online. All I know is that the people that I work with in the field and, and my family members and just people that I encounter in general are really, really frustrated with having to create any sorts of accounts. You were just telling me about, about your husband's ordeal, you know. They, they're really frustrated. And it is a frustrating experience. And I and I really feel bad for people, you know, going through this stuff. And I've had to, you know, assist people with this trying to get signed up because it is a quite a bit of a process. So I wanted to see I wanted to at least attempt to see if I could shed a little bit of light on it. Some tips for dealing with it, if you have not yet set up an account, or if you are in the midst of helping one of your family family members set up an account, um, there's some things that you kind of need some some hoops that you need to jump through. And, and tell me if you if you recall any of this stuff. But um, so I and, and this is funny, I didn't, I guess, because I have, I've been working with older people that I just didn't realize that, that I could sign up for a my social security account. I, I just thought, for whatever reason, it only ever came up when people ran into a situation where they had just retired, or they had been retired for a while, and they got a new bank account, you know, they got hacked or, or something happened, or they just changed banks, that that's a common thing that happens. And they needed to cor- correct or change where their checks are being directly deposited, or in the case of like, say, my dad, who retired just in the last few years, you know this is was a new thing for him so he needed to set it up to say okay this is where my checks need to go you know direct deposit so whether you're setting up a brand new account or whether you're trying to get into a, an old account or whether you're you know trying to to do something about your bank accounts um there's a process that you have to go through and um, one of the things that really trips people up, of course, is creating a password. I mean, picking a username—that's not that that uh, big of an issue because you know you can just use your email address or a portion of your email address, like whatever appears before the at symbol, because that's muscle memory. You're used to typing that in. You know, you're used to seeing that. You're used to typing it. That's that's not that difficult. But when it comes to the password creating a password is is just such a chore you know i have a i have a new client who is just really 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 new to doing anything online that has to do with logging in and it's been really painful because we haven't gotten to that point where ready to do the password manager I mean I wish I could just I wish I could just start out the gate and just say okay we're this is how we're going to do it but that people aren't really responsive to that and you don't want to push too hard or you'll just turn them off and then they won't get anywhere so it's it's been a very delicate dance let's just say trying to get people to learn how to manage their digital footprint online so um I decided to test this out and see if I could make an account for myself. And I was, I don't know why I was surprised. I was like, oh, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, I've been earning since I was very young. And so, of course, I'm going to have information there. It's just like what you were saying, the, the paper statements that used to come in the mail. Yeah, we don't get those either, but we do get an email, you know, saying that there's one to view. But I guess it's because I could log into the state account. Like I've always had a login with the state account and I can view my Social Security through there. But I never tried before to actually go to the Social Security website and and sign in that way. So I finally did, and it was kind of part because just out of curiosity. Plus, my my husband also needs to get his um his card replaced. He lost it a long time ago. He hasn't really needed it, but you know we're going through stuff with, realty right now, and you know it's just time to get a replacement. And I thought, well, you know, what would that look like? So I started the process, and I started to create an account, and I started going through the steps, and I remembered this from getting my dad set up, and I remembered that this was the pain point was creating the username, creating the password, and then they want you to pick three – I mean, we call them uh, security questions, but you know they could be called um, – they're, they're called password reset. So in other words, if you get locked out of your account or you forget or something, they're going to ask you a series of three questions and you have predetermined what those uh, answers to those questions are going to be. And remember from last time I was just telling you earlier, I said every time, if if you haven't heard the last episode that we talked, you, you got to go listen to that one because this is kind of a follow up to that. But but Elisa has this brilliant way of of dealing with the stress of having to pick out. Uh, security questions and then answers. And she picks things that are really silly. So the example that she's been using has been tin foil. you know, what's your what's your, you know, aluminum foil, aluminum foil, what is your mother's made name, aluminum foil. (laughs) So, so I used to get frustrated with that and think, Oh, God, here we go. I gotta like search through this list. But I think that that is in itself part of the hack is, yes, these things are frustrating, but they don't have to be if you don't let them, if you can find a different perspective, if you can find a different way to look at it. And I think that's one of the keys right there is so now I said to Elisa I said, I think of you every time. Now, every time I create a new account for something, because there's always something. And every time I'm faced with having to create, um, having to choose a question and then pick an answer for it, I think aluminum foil, and it just makes me laugh. And, you know, just just the stress of not having to be correct about it, you know, yeah, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is if you want to generate
1: a password from one password to answer that security question, it doesn't have to be Q7 question mark. They have a section where you can make it phrases. Great point. That's so it a great might point. be dolphin-road-tissues. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's easier for you to pronounce. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's a really and it's great still
1: point. Non- and it's still nonsensical so mm-hmm. that if it's, you know, my, my childhood best friend. Your childhood best friend was named John. You don't want to put John. Mm-hmm. Someone else might know that.
0: You want to put Dolphin's Road Tissue. Yeah, I just did one now like it's it's called so in when you are creating an account and you're going to generate a new password, you can you click on the little icon that looks like a gear. And you can choose from random password, which is, you know, usually kind of the default that we use. Or like, like Elise is explaining, it's called memorable password. So the one that I just created, and I can tell you this because I'm not going to use it for anything, was duster hyphen emote hyphen lorn. What is a lorn? <laughs> I'm not even sure it's a word. It's not loin, but it's lorn. <laughs> and and they have it. Uh, they have the word emote in the center, all capitalized. So there, there's your mixture of words or you know memorable words that you could easily type with with hyphens between. Now this wouldn't fly for a password for my social security because it doesn't meet their requirements. So let's talk about that next. So that's what I really wanted to dig into is. You know, when you create when when you create an account, usually the, the the steps that you take is you go into your web browser, you go, you navigate to the site, and then you start filling out that form. And as you're filling out that form, that's this is where I see people get tripped up. They either just start filling it out and then they forget. Like they might write down their password, but Nine times out of 10, most people do not write down which question they picked and which answer they used to answer that question. And they'll just, you know, it's just, it's not, it's a second thought, I guess. It's they don't think that that should be written down. So here is my my ultimate tip is let's reverse engineer this just a little bit. Instead of Going directly to the site. I mean, you go to the site, you kind of preview. You get, you kind of know what you're in for, and that's what I wanted to talk to most people about today. Is that what you're in for with Social Security? Is they're gonna, you're they're gonna be these components. You're gonna have to pick a username, and we just talked about how you know you could use something that deals with your email address up to the at symbol. You're, you're gonna need a password, and they have very specific um a recipe that they want you to use. Let me see if I can get to that screenshot there. They want, um and then you have to pick they give you a drop down list and you have to pick three questions and then of course you have to pick answers for those questions. So what I recommend that you do is knowing that, knowing that those are going to be the components that make up your login, your credentials. And I do this with just about everything that I encounter, even whether I know what it's gonna involve or I don't, instead of filling out the form, I don't know how, if you do it this way, Lisa, I go directly to 1Password. And you know, when we say 1Password, you know substitute your password manager of choice, but, but in 1Password, I create a new login. I'm not gonna pick the password item in, in the category, I pick the login, because I know that this is gonna involve a username and a password. And then I make um, that entry, I fill out all of the stuff ahead of time. So for example, let's say, you know, it's going to ask you three questions, you're not sure what the questions are going to be, you can, and I just don't know if most people utilize this feature in a password manager, and I, and I don't know exactly what it looks like in other password managers, but in 1Password, you can add fields, and those, each of those fields has a type. So you can, you know, let's say if you entered a telephone number, you can click on the little drop-down menu to the right and say this is, you know, this is a phone number. Um, if it's an email address, if it's a um, a date, um, those sorts of things. But in between, you, you know, you can start a new section. So you could call it security questions. And there's a label, and then there's a new field field. So for the label, what I always do is I populate this ahead of time. So I say, okay, I know it's going to ask me a bunch of questions. So I say question one, and then I leave that field blank, and then I press the tab key, and I go down, and I repeat this process until I've got question one, answer one. Question two, answer two. Question three. Answer three. Usually the the top is usually three questions. I mean, I in all of the things that I've created, I haven't seen much more than three. No, Most of them are like one, maybe two, but three is usually the tops. And I mean, this is your social security account we're talking about here. So of course, they're going to make you jump through extra hoops. And then um, I fill out what I think I want the username to be. Now, of course, they're going to let you know if that username is already taken. So you're going to want to think, you know, is, is your email address, is it fairly common? Do you have a common name? That sort of thing. So I try to pick something that I that I think will work. And I fill that out in the username field. Now, for the Social Security, let me see if I can get to the screenshot where it tells you. They, they do give you, in one password, it's called a password recipe, I think. And then on the website, they actually will tell you what combinations of things you need in order to create a good, secure password. Okay, let's see. So you're talking about upper and lowercase letters, numbers Mm -hmm. and symbols? Yes, there's, there's an actual recipe, and I did take a screenshot of it.
1: What you sent me just said it has to begin with a letter or a number, contain eight to 64 characters. Oh, yeah, it has that's to the contain upper and lower cases. It has to contain a number and it has to contain symbols. But they don't tell you specifically how many of each other than it has to be included. Right. And which specific symbols.
0: Does it, so does a question it mark which... is not applicable. Does it list which symbols you can use? Yeah, yes, there
1: it is. That there it is. Okay. Exclamation mark, an at sign, a hashtag, a dollar sign, percentage. Uh, what do they call that? A carrot. The yeah, ampersand so.
0: and the asterisk. asterisk. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what I was looking for. Thank you. Yes. So so that is what is considered the the recipe. So now knowing that you can go into one password in your password manager, and when you click on the generate password tool. And you choose random password. Now you can say, okay, it's going to have to have, um, you know, how many characters. You can, you know, move the slider to how many characters you want it to have. And what did they say? It has to be at least eight. So I would make it, you know, between 16 or so. And it has to have a, a combination of upper and lowercase letters. And so that random password generator will will generate that for you. It has to contain numbers. So you tell it it's got to have... Um, You tell it's got to have numbers, you know, you check that box. And then where it says symbols, you can check the box. But I have found that when you are trying to generate a password by using the little slider and it's kind of hit or miss. It's like, you might get one and say, oh, okay, well, that's got symbols in it. But then you look at the list and you think, oh, well, I can't have that symbol. So what I have done is I get the password generated, right? And then I go in and I just use my cursor and I use my arrow keys. Like I click somewhere in, into that field where the password is and I just move the cursor left or right. And then I select it. So let's say, uh, let's see, are we allowed to have an ampersand? We can have an ampersand. Can't have a question mark. Can't have a question mark. So let's say I have a question mark in there. The ampersand is okay, but I have a question mark. I can't have a question mark. So what do they allow us to have? We can have an exclamation point or a dollar sign. So I just highlight that character or I just delete that character and I replace it with one of the approved symbols. So what I'm saying is you can use one password to automatically generate, you know, do the heavy lifting of generating the password and then you can fine tune it by using your arrow keys on your keyboard to navigate the cursor left or right, or wherever it is in that generated password where there's a character that might not be on the list because they are very specific about which characters you can use, okay? So what I'm saying is create the entry ahead of time, like get it all set up, get your username in there, generate your password based on the parameters that they defined, Um, add in the website, put that in there ahead of time, Um, use the section area and fill out the fields and, you know, just at least get your labels, get your fields labeled question one, answer one, question two, you know, so on and so forth. And then when you actually get onto the form to start filling it out, then that's where you can say, okay, well, you you couldn't anticipate exactly which question you were going to choose, but once you do get through that, um, pick your questions and then of course you know the answers can be gobbledygook so you know according to your method Elisa you could have like say the question field is, is empty because you don't know which question you're going to pick yet but you can pre-populate your answer fields because if you're going to use aluminum foil you know or something like that please don't use aluminum foil by the way because you know <laughs> <laughs> that's ours <laughs> that's Elisa's yeah. she came up with that mine's it's copyrighted <laughs> Right, aluminum foil TM <laughs> Uh you don't don't use aluminum FOIL TM either. <laughs> but uh you know what I'm saying. So so you can pre-populate those fields because you now know that you're gonna just be using gobbledygook or nonsensical answers, but they're gonna be words, you know, at least that you can type in there. So instead of instead of filling out the form live and then trying to like scramble and write things down and then hope that you can read your handwriting later and hope that you'll remember to then put it in your password manager, I say Use the password manager first, and get it all pre-populated and set up. And then, when you get into the f- the form on the web on the website, the web form field. Once you get in there, then you can just either you know copy and paste your answers that you pre-populated. And if you encounter a scenario where you know, let's say you created a password or let's say you picked out a username and you think, okay, this is going to be great. You know, it's really unique. And you go and you copy it and you paste it in there and they say, "Eh, sorry, somebody already thought of that. Darn it, you know. Well, then you can tweak. So then you can edit that one password entry and then just start tweaking where needs to be tweaked. And then that way it's already filled out for you. So really then the last thing to do is to pick your You know, from from the drop down menus to pick the questions that you want to pick. And then you can sometimes you can highlight with your cursor on the website and you can select the text. You don't have to actually hand key it in. Um, That may or may not be the case, depending on what you're working with. I forget if you were able to do it with the Social Security. But like you said, I do the same thing. I just take a screenshot. Of that area, just in case you know I get distracted or something, because it's highly likely around here. Um, and then you know, then I go and I transcribe. Okay, this you know, it was what was your mother's maiden name? What was your you know childhood friend? That sort of thing. And my childhood friend is aluminum foil, T.M. <laughs> so you know, so do you get what I'm saying? Is like you you set up set up your your stuff in one password first, and then go populate the form field on the website with the the answers that you've already pre-selected. And I just think that that takes the headache out of it. So when I was doing this for myself, I practiced what I preached, and I did it exactly that way. And I said, okay, I'm in the the form field here. I can see what it is that they're going to ask me. Plus, I also had a little bit of experience with it doing, you know, helping other people. So I had a little bit of a heads up as to what was going to happen. And so knowing that going into it, I thought, okay, they're going to ask me three questions, they're going to make me make up a password, they're going to make me choose a username, yada, yada, yada. So I just set it up in one password ahead of time. And it was like, it was next to painless, because I had done that ahead of time, then all I had to do was copy and paste. And, you know, I might have had to, you know, tweak one or two things, and then I was done. Now, I believe, and and I'm not exactly sure because I haven't, you know, not enough time has elapsed and I haven't experienced it just yet. But I believe that my social security, the the .gov site, I believe that that's one of those ones where they make you change your password every so often. I don't know if it's like six months or 30 days or whatever, but I do believe that there is an expiration like that. That password is only good for so long. So if you're not Logging into it, you know every every month or something, I mean, why would you unless you're really checking in on stuff or you know maybe you had some fraud happen to you or something like that? Um, but most people aren't checking in as frequently as that, so that password is going to time out. But the nice thing about having it in a one in a password manager like one password is it's already there and ready to go. Now when it is when it comes time to change your password, then you know what to do. You can click edit. And then you can select the password generation tool and you can tweak it, you know, move the slider. And now you know that the um, requirements for the symbols and, you know, that sort of thing. Now, here's the thing. So one of the things you might want to do is, like, don't do like I did and take a screenshot of it, but actually go and copy where it says, you know, you can only use these characters and it must be this length and it must be this combination of things go ahead and copy that section of text and paste it into the note section. And then when it comes time, unless they've changed the rules, of course, but, you know, this is the government we're talking about here, so it might take a while, Um, then you'll be ready to go. And so in the notes there, you'll say, okay, you know, these are the characters that I can use. So you go and you generate your password with a little slider and it says, nope, can't use a a question mark or whatever. So I'm going to replace that one and then you'll know what to do. And then you can just copy and paste your new password when it asks for it. Of course, you're going to want to make sure that you can get to the old password because they still might ask you for the current, what was the old password in order to change it. But you can get to that in in the history as well. So that was my tip for creating you know somewhat painless um, setup when it comes to a web field, uh, a form on the web that you have to fill out that has fields where they ask you all this information up front. And I'm just using, I'm kind of picking on my social security account because, you know, that's one of the ones that people are are likely to encounter, but there's plenty of other ones that are like that. So start in your password manager first, pre-populate as much as you can ahead of time, ahead of time, and then fill out the forms, um, fill out the fields on the form I've been struggling to say that. And,
1: and having a clipboard yeah. manager is extremely helpful at this time oh, because yeah. you're doing a lot of copy and pasting. So mm-hmm. I just look at my clipboard manager and say, yep, there's... You know. So what'll happen is when you're doing a 1Password and you are creating a new password, it goes to your... It'll say copy and save. So I will copy and save it and I see it in the clipboard manager just in case something goes wrong. I still have it. Because what ha- what should happen but doesn't always... And I'm not sure if it's because of 1Password or because of the website itself, but when you change a password or create a new one, something should pop up saying, do you want to save this? And then it will give you a choice to create a new account or to update an existing. Yeah. Well, sometimes that doesn't happen. And you hit the save button and you're like, oh boy, I wonder if it took the new password and then you look in 1Password, it didn't. It still has the old one. Yeah. Well, you don't remember what it is. Go to your Mm -hmm. clipboard manager. There it is. So it's real easy to copy and paste it into the the passwords. Or
0: sometimes I think what happens is, and and there's a multitude of different scenarios here, and I've seen that happen. And I know exactly what you're talking about, which is why I kind of I go the opposite direction to avoid it is I don't use, when it says, do you want to update this, the existing password with this new information or, you know, just update it, I never click that because in times past, every once in a while I will just to see if, like, it works, and it always messes me up because I don't use a clipboard manager. I, I just use, you know, what's built into the Mac. If I'm going to be doing stuff like that, I, I usually just use the notes section and I copy and paste things there. But a Clipper manager is terrific. I mean, if that's part of your workflow, um, but for me it, it isn't, and so I just never click that button. And instead, what I do is I I anticipate what's going to happen. I know that I'm that I'm going to be modifying the password to a new password or changing something in there that it's going to generate that response that says, "Do you want to save this? You know, do you want to update your entry?" I already know that that's going to happen because I anticipated it. So I go and I, like I said, I I start with the password manager instead of letting the field on the website do it for me or offer it up for me. I do it in the password manager first. And then when I'm asked that question, I already know that I took care of that. So I just say not now. I just, that's what I click. That's, That's how I get around doing that. Because in times past when I've tried it, like you said, sometimes you don't know if it if it took it or not, and then you go and you look and you don't see it there, because I, I have seen what has happened is it might not. And this isn't, like I said, I, I don't think it's the the fault of 1Password. I think it just depends on how that website field has been designed and coded, that for whatever reason, 1Password interprets it as, oh, you want to save a brand new password entry. And so if you've ever looked through your your list of items, and if you've ever just gone and clicked on the password category, you might see a bunch of these, you know, passwords, you're like, what does what's this connected to? I don't remember doing this. That's what happens a lot of times is you think that you're updating the entry. But for whatever reason, it gets interpreted as it's saving as it's saving it as just a password. I was going through that with my husband just a couple of days ago. I was, you know, helping him get his stuff organized and I found like these, you know, like eight eight passwords in a row that were just passwords. And and you and if you look at the modification time, you can see that they're just within seconds of each other because he was getting tripped up by that. And I knew exactly what was happening because it's happened to me cuz he's just following the instructions that pop up on the screen. Do you want to save this? Yep, I sure do. And you click it and you think it's doing it and it isn't. And again, it's just, I'm not picking on one password for that. It's just, it's the way that the, the form is designed. It doesn't always, it's not always very intuitive, which is why I kind of reverse engineer it a little bit and do it the other way around. And then that leads me to, um, so you mentioned using a clipboard manager and, you know, you, that's your method of doing it. And I have the method where I just go directly into the password manager to do it. There are other tools that are built in that we've, you know, people have been using for years. And the two that I want to mention is um, saving passwords in your Apple keychain and saving passwords using your web browser. Safari offers that and uh, Google Chrome and Firefox. They all have these features that are built in that a lot of times come pre-enabled And I'm here to tell you that I I think once you start using a dedicated manager, a a dedicated password manager, my opinion is that you should just turn those off. I would just disable uh, Apple Keychain unless you're very, very, like, I I do have it enabled, but there's only a select few things that I have stored in there. And that might have to do with, like, you know, my kids' school accounts that I have to keep logging in. And that's just a matter of, like, you know, convenience between switching back and forth. but. I I think it's more secure if you save everything in a password manager and don't use the web browser. Now, one of two things is going to happen. I mean, you could get hacked, and if the hacker can somehow get at your browser, then they can get at all of your passwords. Of course, you wouldn't want to let a hacker into your password manager, but it might be easier for them to get into a web browser if you're not really careful. The other problem that I see happen is... I watched this happen to people where they don't realize that the switch has been enabled and they are saving all of their passwords in the browser and they don't realize it or they forget about it and they keep resetting their password. And then the next time they go to log in, the the password managing portion of the web browser offers up passwords that they've used in the past and then they just keep going round and round and round because they're not picking the correct ones, because there's multiple ones in there. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, does that ever happen to you? Have you ever experienced that with a web browser? I, <clears throat> I've never saved in Keychain.
1: I've always used one password. But my husband had a problem the other night because he was saying he had to log into something for work and he was doing it on his phone and it wasn't working. That's what But he could do it on his computer. And he goes, how come, how come 1Password isn't saving this? You said 1Password's supposed to save this. Yeah. So I looked at it and I said, well, that's because you don't have it 1Password. You have it in Keychain. Yeah. And you must have Keychain turned on on your computer, but off on your phone. Right. So I showed him how to convert it to 1Password. And he goes, well, I don't see it anywhere on my phone. I'm like, uh, it's right there. And he goes, oh, okay. Because that's the one thing about the, the subscription model it is instantaneous as yes. far as the syncing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that before, and now it's just like, you know, immediate. He made that change on the computer, and boom, it was on his phone. Mm-hmm. So I said, "Turn off the uh, uh, keychain."
0: Right, because Cause, it's cause like they collude. He, it's like, or they collide yeah, with each other. You because
1: know? what ends up happening is when you have a password, um, a field, you get the one password icon, and then you get the keychain icon, right. and he's clicking on one, and he meant the other, mm-hmm. and. He, he, and, and he's not savvy enough yet to understand what the difference is. Right. Yep. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, and it doesn't mean that the people are, you know, I mean, yeah, I guess I would say not savvy enough. It's just, you know, it's not very intuitive. And when you're not used to seeing the difference, and you don't know what to look for, or, you know, you really just don't know what to anticipate then you know of course it, it makes sense that it would it would trip people up. But I've just seen so many people get into trouble and get so frustrated because they have either a combination of the two or one or the other. That they have been saving their passwords in their browser or their keychain and then not really not realizing it. Whereas like using one password, it's an app. It's it's a it's a it's a program that you have to go in and utilize like it it's a um it's a repository it's a database really i mean it's a database with fields and descriptions and notes and everything like it's a fully fledged application that you can use for managing your entire digital life whereas things like the keychain or the web browser they're just a very vanilla simple which I think that's what people are attracted to. They're like, well, I don't want to deal with all this other stuff. I just want to just just give me my passwords. it will make it so difficult. I, I get that, but if you're going to be a responsible digital citizen, you got to know what what these are, when they were updated last, if they're secure. I mean, there's there's all these things that a password manager does that a simple browser, you know, uh, plugin. is is just so simplistic that it ends up getting you in trouble because you don't realize because you haven't been really kind of um, coerced into dealing with your passwords and everything that's connected to them. And so it's too easy. I think it breeds complacency is what I'm really trying to get at here is that doing it that way just breeds complacency. It just makes you complacent. It just makes you, you know, kind of lazy and you just don't really think about it because it's all just stored there. And then it's easy to forget that you already changed it and it didn't self-correct itself. So I'll get off my soapbox about that. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to, you know, say that there are less painful ways to do things if you can use the tools and have them work for you instead of you working so much harder on the website and forgetting to write things down. Just have it take care of it. Okay, so that was my tips for password management. Now I wanted to talk about some actual tips. Now, the, the listeners can't really see this, but um, I've been talking about how much I love my AirPods Pro. And in the beginning, when I got them, uh, I was just using the regular silicone tips that come with it. And I'll show you this, Elisa. It comes in this cute little box that they give you. And that's what they look like. Those are from the AirPods. Yeah, these are the ones that, that okay. come with it, and um, they're kind of stuck on the little... It's like a little piece of cardboard. It's designed really nicely, and then I'll show you one up close. This is what one of them looks like. Okay. And maybe I'll put some um, show note, uh links to what these actually look like, but they, um, they clip onto the AirPod, the individual pod, and you have to kind of have a fingernail or something, and when I first got these, I had a really hard time with it, but... There is a tiny little tiny little gap that you have to kind of feel with your your, your finger uh, nail tip. and once you find it in there, you can just stick your thumbnail in there and then just pull it off and it'll just come right off. and then to replace it, so I got these foam tips. These are actually foam instead of silicone, and boy, did they make a difference. Now, one caveat, though, and then they just they snap on to place. And what's nice is, they, you know, they still fit. See, now they're little they're black. Mm-hmm. Now, they will still fit inside of the case. When I go to stick it back in there, it doesn't cause any problems with the case not closing or anything like that. You can see the difference there. One's mm-hmm. black and one's white. But what I like about these is they just they feel different in my ears. And it's almost like as if I can forget that I have them in when I put the foam tips on, there's something about the silicone. I don't know what it is. But like, I think maybe it might make my ear like sweat. It's going to sound gross, but I think it just, it, there's something about the silicone against my skin that just doesn't sit well with me. And having the, the foam tips on has really made a difference. Now, the caveat that I was going to mention is, um, I don't know why this is, but when I go and I do an ear fit uh, t- test, to find out, you know, which size is supposed to be appropriate for your ears. It doesn't usually pass. I don't think I've gotten it to pass yet. But if I put the silicone tip back on, then of course it passes. So, you know, that you have to decide, you know, that what's the trade-off here? Do you do you want to have better comfort and then, you know, not be able to fit the not be able to pass the fit test? You know, if that's important to you, then you're going to want to stick with the silicones, but for me, I was like I just would rather have the all-day comfort. So, I just wanted to bring that up. I will put a link in the show notes to the actual product where where I got these. And they're like um they're like memory foam when you when you squeeze them, you know how there's types of foams mm-hmm. where you press yeah. on it and it stays indented? That's what I think I like about them that it conforms to your ear. It's almost like those little earplugs that you get where you twist them up and stick them inside of your ears. It's that kind of material, but it's on a tip that you can that you can snap onto the the end of your AirPod Pro. So I like to I like the idea that you could customize that that you don't you don't have to be stuck with the tips that it comes with that you know third parties have have made these tips available and it just makes it that much more comfortable. So that was my tip on tips.
1: uh, Still haven't pulled the plug and and bought AirPods Pro. I just can't justify the price for my use, especially now that there's no gym to go to. I just can't justify the price. What I've got on my wish list just went on Amazon. And on sale again, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, well. I think it's because new,
1: new ones are coming hun, out. I think that's I why. think so, too. But mm-hmm. 189 again, at Woot was the last I saw. Mm-hmm. But on Amazon, they've got the Anchor Soundcore, Liberty oh. Air 2. and they're, a good brand. Sim- yeah, and they look very similar to the AirPods Pro. They're $130. So it's a lot less. It's got four and a half stars, you know, very well-received. Dave Hamilton on the Mac Geek app. He really likes them. Mm-hmm. Twenty six hours of playtime. Oh like, wow! Well, if I'm going to buy them, seventy dollars cheaper. Mm-hmm.
0: That is, I will. Ha- I will say so, that that is one of the things that I that I like the least about them. As much as I I love how comfortable they are, and I love how they they just connect. They just work. They just connect to all my devices. And you know, I have a lot of them. <laughs> I love being able to go to my Apple TV and be able to watch some TV where I don't have to. You know. Bug anybody else with the sound of it. There's just so many things that I really love about them. They have made phone calls for my business. I'm going to expense a portion of it for my business because I have been using it with clients, and my clients tell me that they can hear me better. And I have really like poor cell quality uh, reception around here, but being able to take notes and type on the keyboard and do remote support, they have improved that you know by by leaps and bounds because they don't have to have a phone to my ear or Especially, you know, the way that I used to do it is I would put the client on speakerphone, you know, close the door. You know, we talk about really private things, and I, I like to keep it private. So being able to have them in my ears, um, they say that they can hear me better. I can hear them better. I don't strain. I used to I, – I think that in in my age I'm starting to get a little bit of hearing loss, and it really bothers me. But that's the thing about these is I can actually hear phone calls so much better. I can even sometimes hear – my family talking to me better when I put them in the um, – uh, there's noise cancellation and then there's there's another mode. And when I – it's almost like they're kind of like a hearing in, in a way. They amplify the sound. So I like that feature. But the one thing that I do not like, the one, one thing has been the, the time because I've actually, you know, had – uh, calls with clients that, you know, they last like four hours on average. But what if I had already been, you know, using them prior to the call, like I have to, you know, get better about making sure that I charge them up. But I've already had them run down on me during a call. And then I have to take them out and switch to, you know, my, my old fashioned plugin style, like a like a cave person. Uh, <laughs> so it's just the battery life. I just wish that they had better battery life, you know, especially when you're, when you're using them for work and you're using them for important calls, you might be on the phone for several hours and, you know, they can drain on you during that time. So that's my only, my only downside. And while we're talking about this, I'm going to move this up on the show notes a little bit. Um, I did, I did want to say for as much as I love them, I did have a problem with them. I think I did get a lemon when I ordered the, these back in November because um, I think I was telling you about it. I started having problems with the, the left one, like it just wouldn't stay connected. And then it got to be like where it wouldn't charge. I mean, I looked online, I read all of the advice, you know, I went in there with a magnifying glass and, you know, looked in there and, and made sure that there wasn't any like earwax or anything built up in there because, you know, that can happen made sure that the case was really super cleaned out. I didn't use anything abrasive, you know, just a, a cotton uh, q-tip and just to kind of swab the edge of them and, you know, followed all the guidelines. I unpaired them. I repaired them. I did all of that triaging and stuff. And th- it just it just wouldn't charge. The um, And it was like kind of getting flaky. Like, you know how you can use a widget on your phone. That's the other thing I really like, too, is a, a there's a widget that you can put on your iPhone where it'll let you know what the battery strength is for both each individual AirPod and the case. And it'll even show you I mean it live updates right on your screen. Let you know if they're charging, lets you know if they're they're draining. Um, you get a little indicator. I, I like the I like the notification system that's built into it. I think that's great. But it was um, inconsistent. It was being kind of flaky. It was like it, it would say that it was eighty percent. I'm like, that's not true because it's dead. <laughs> it's not eighty percent. You know, it was. It was like it was lying to me. You know, just something was not right. And at first, I thought that it was just the left earbud. I thought it was just the, the ear tip. Um, I even took off. You know, I took off my my uh, tips that I just talked about. I put the silicones back on. I thought, well, maybe that. You know, just trying to rule things out. No, it wasn't that. So it ended up being that it was a defective case and left AirPod. So, wow. I, yeah. So I I was able to go through. Um, you know, it was. I would say it was relatively painless. I mean, once you, once you realize just what a difference these things make in your day to day life, in day to day functioning. I mean, I know it's a first world problem and everything, but I had started to really rely on these, and you know, it just was using them every single day. And so when I didn't have them, when it, when it started to malfunction, I was like, Oh, this is really a problem. This is really bad. So I didn't want to be without them for, you know, the least amount of time. But you know, I, I've, I've, been using Apple products for like you know what close to thirty years now so I mean it's not this is not my first rodeo. i've I've experienced this stuff before I know that you have to triage it. I know that you know they're gonna ask you all these questions. It's kind of like the password manager like I already knew what to anticipate. I already knew what was gonna happen. you know I could kind of look at my my technology crystal ball and and know what was gonna what was gonna take place and and I knew how to deal with it so I wasn't really upset about it. I mean, yeah, I was bummed that they stopped working. But I mean, it's technology, nothing's really perfect. They should be for the price that they are. They, you know, like you said, I mean, it is, it is hard to justify the cost of these things. And then for them to malfunction like that, that was, you know, a a bitter pill to swallow. But I I have to say that the replacement program was, was, you know, near flawless. um, With the one Exception that I really do think that apples do a better job of providing their um, support retailers around around the world or you know uh, they 're called like an Apple authorized retailer or Apple authorized service provider when i I went to two different places and i and you know me i don 't leave the house like i don 't go to stores or anything like that. I just happened to have a doctor 's appointment that I had to go to. And I thought, you know, I'll I'll be in and out. And I kind of like sort of surveyed the the place, there weren't that many people in. So I felt it was a a safe risk to take. And so I did go to two different places, where, you know, I said, you know, I'm having this problem, Apple recommended when I, uh, I started a chat, and then I, you know, got a phone call, spoke to somebody, and they basically told me what my options were. And of course, the the option that I ultimately went with was the mail-in. They called it the DIY. They called the do-it-yourself repair kit, basically. And I knew that that was going to take a couple of days, and they thought it would be faster if I actually went to a local authorized repair center and then, you know, saw if I could get it um, troubleshot there and, you know, maybe do the replacement there. Well, no such luck. I went to two different places. I went to Best Buy was one, and I went to our, our local, it's a place called Simitech, and They didn't have on hand a spare, you know, like in other words, they weren't going to just take a package off the shelf and open it. I don't even know that they had the stock for it, actually. But they didn't have just a spare case or set of, of AirPods that could be used for the purposes of just testing to find out if it was narrowed down to just the AirPod or if it was just the case or if it was a combination of the two. So I really couldn't get my problem solved um without without being able to go to Apple directly and of course you know the the stores are closed so it just was one of those things where i my options were extremely limited and i probably should have just gone for the mail in DIY and I should have just said nope you know let's just let's just rip off the Band-Aid. let's just go ahead and just take th- three days you know to wait for the package and it really in actuality only took about two to maybe three days tops i don't think it took more than three days where I was without them, you know, I mean, this problem was, you know, happening over the course of a week. So I would say all in total, it was probably close to about a week that I kind of dealt with the problems of it. But as far as being without them at all, um, was probably like a total of three days. So I did, you know, I did what they said to do, I went, you know, went to a place to try to get it triaged. And it it turned it did not turn out to be an option. And so I called them back and I said, you know, here's what happened. They're like, okay, yep. You know, this is just, they're under warranty. Let's just, let's just get them replaced. Now I will tell you what they did do. um, And because I have the Apple card, it made it a lot easier because I had purchased them. I purchased them through Amazon actually, but I think I must have used my Apple card or something. So anyway, they were able to basically charge me a temporary charge. It was like kind of a hold charge to say, okay, we're going to send you this new equipment but we're not just giving it to you for free. Like, you're going to have to send us the goods back, you know. And it was very easy. They sent they sent out two boxes, one for the the charging case and one for the for the AirPod. And with, you know, instructions that didn't even have, like, any words on it. It was all just pictures. And I just had to um, – I think I drained the case. I made sure that it was, you know, down to, like, under 30% or something like that. I think that was part of the instructions. And I unpaired them. You know, I had, I had reset it and all that kind of stuff. And I put them in the box. I took the the new ones out. I put the old ones back in the box. And then I just, um, I think I had to drop it off at like a local Michaels. I didn't even have to like go into the store. And I dropped them off and I was able to use the tracking number that they gave me and I could see, you know, where it was in its, in its progress. And this was, you know, in the midst of the holidays. So, you know, it took about a week for them to get back. But once they were back, that, that charge that was on my credit card just disappeared. And it was like, nothing ever happened basically. And I had it now. So I have a brand new case and I have a brand new left AirPod. Um, You do get like a new serial number and stuff like that. So I would recommend that anybody that's dealing with this to go in and document that stuff by going into the settings on your iPhone and you can actually long press and copy and then paste those serial numbers. Like I just opened up a note and I just made a note of it so that I could see what the difference was when I got the new the new case and saw the new serial number, made sure that the firmware was up to date and all that kind of stuff. So, I'm back in business. So I have my my AirPods back, and you know it was nearly painless, <laughs> not completely painless, but it was nearly pay- painless. And I, I just think that you know, as as far as things go, yes, they are a hefty price, but I just have to wonder what would happen if I had bought a pair that were not AirPods Pro? Like, would I have gotten that same amount of service? Would I have been able to get them replaced that easily? You know, I, I think, you know, had to, if I had to do it over again, I would have skipped the part where I went and tried to triage it on my own by going to service providers. I just would have cut that out. And it would have been an even shorter process. But I just wonder how that would compare to another product. You know what I mean? I mean, you have Beats, so you would probably get the same kind of service because it's through Apple, so you wouldn't have to worry about that. Right. But what if they were some other brand? I just, I just don't know what kind of level of that quick of a like, okay, yep, this is a problem. They're under warranty. We'll just, you know, just exchange them, basically. Just send us back the old broken ones. We'll, we'll give you a new pair. We'll charge you temporarily just to make sure that we have, like, some insurance that we get them back, and then we'll take the charge away. So it didn't cost me anything. It cost me nothing. You know what I mean? And it and it shouldn't have. I mean, you only had them for what a couple of months at that point. Yeah, I got them in November. This happened. Yeah, so like about a month and a half, maybe. Yeah,
1: yeah. So regardless of brand, it should be it should be no issue. You know, it's not like you you said, eh? You know, these are used and they're ten bucks. That's a different story. But these were brand new. Mm-hmm not cheap even if you got them on sale they're
0: still not cheap and Apple stands behind their Mm -hmm. their products so they do they do so you know that's that's what keeps me coming back you know despite the price yes it is a hefty price but I feel like you get what you pay for I mean it would have been nice if they hadn't been 11 of course Um, maybe maybe that's reality distortion filter on my part but I'm just really happy with them. They've they've just made a huge improvement. I just don't know that I'd have the same experience with, with something else. But if you ever do find something, let me know. I'm all ears. Well,
1: since we're kind of, kind of in that ballpark, why don't you talk to us about your trade-in program?
0: Well, so that's just something that I'm in the midst of now. Um, I did, there was one hiccup. So um, the, I guess the advice that I wanted to give was if you have older devices laying around, in my case, it's iPads. I have some older iPads. And um, back during Christmas time, I was just curious, every once in a while, I check the trade-in value and you can go to a website. Well, I'll put a link to it in the show notes where you can just click and you, again, you know, like I said, go into settings and look up the serial number and copy that and paste it onto notes so that you have it handy, you know, make it searchable. And every once in a while, just go and look at the trade-in program and see what your devices are worth. And I was surprised to learn that when I looked at Christmas time like, I'll give you an example. I think it's my iPad 7. I want to say it was, it was like worth, it was still worth, what was it, like 200, and, I'll just make up a number. It was like worth like $240 or something like that. And I checked again just a month ago, and it was worth $10 more than that. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I went and I checked my older iPads. I have a, I have a 5 and a 4, and I checked their trade-in values, and they went up like $25, one was, was more than that. So the the lesson here is, you know, keep checking your trade-in values because sometimes they actually go up. I don't know what exactly causes that, but the fact that it happens.
1: Supply and demand. I Probably I, supply and yes. demand. Maybe kids wanting to use them for
0: school. Yeah, that could be. That could be. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to trade in these these old iPads. And um, my mom actually offered to buy my my seven off of me. So I'm actually setting that for her. So she's going to give me like the trade in value for it. It went up a little bit, but I didn't, I'm not going to charge her for it. But you know, but I just thought that was really interesting. So check your trade in values and check them often because sometimes they change. And then um, I was able to, you know, to sign up for the trade in program. The only hiccup was, when the bad storms were happening in Texas, it delayed the time that the boxes got here. You know, they send you basically a kit, like a, an empty box to put it in. And so now I might, I'm going to email them back and find out if that quote is still good because there was a delay in the, the shipping time. So that's what I'm, so I'll report back on how that went, but that's what I'm in the process of doing now. I have to, you know, back them up and, and wipe them and restore them back to manufacturer settings and then put them in the box and, you know, see how that works out. So- that's where I'm at with that. So that was the Apple trade-in program. Now, how about you? Yeah, I've, used to, I've
1: used the trade-in a couple of times, and
0: yeah. it's, it's worked out well. Great. So, how are you doing with your internet? Knock on wood, no jinxing. <laughs> <laughs> now that we're in the middle of recording, so
1: now I have to remember because this was a number of episodes ago. So back in episode 349, when when you and I and Guy were recording. There was a lot of glitching going on, and we were trying to figure out, was it me? Was it you? Was it him? Was it a combination? What was going on? So when I was getting, my download speeds were between 30 and 50. Was it um, mega? Not megabytes, megabits. Megabits I think per second. Is, megabits. Mm-hmm. So it was And it's really low. And I'm paying for 200. Yeah.
0: I was like, Lisa, that's ridiculous. You got to get what you're paying for. <laughs>
1: Now, keep in mind, I'm not connected th- via Ethernet, so I'm, you know, 150, even 100. Like, you know, I'm not going to be like a real jerk about this. I understand that Ethernet's going to be faster, and I'm doing everything wireless, but that's okay. So I have Spectrum, so I called them that evening after we were done recording, and they sent a technician out on Tuesday. Yeah,
0: because remember, it, it wasn't just your wireless devices. Your, your wired laptop was not getting the speeds or was well no no
1: it's ever no i don't have anything the ethernet everything is wireless and even Mm. my phone and my ipad were getting Mm
0: you know
1: teens Mm -hmm. instead of the hundred yeah so when the tech came over he told me that spectrum had quietly increased the speeds to 200 in december and so he 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 was using an android phone and he checked and he goes yeah i'm getting 200 here and he goes let me you know can you give me your phone? I'll, I'll show you how to check for that. So we downloaded speedtest.net and I was getting good speeds on my phone and good speeds on my iPad, but that really depended on where I was in the house. So then he said, well, it's got to be your computer. Okay. That would make sense because his phone was doing well. My iPad was okay. My phone was okay, but not my computer. So I called uh, Apple when I was done and she, the person I spoke with ran some speed tests And she had me, you know, I forget exactly what we were doing, but she had me run some different testing through Chrome and Safari, and the results were abysmal. Mm -hmm. So then she had me reboot in safe mode, and we ran the test again, and lo and behold, I'm getting 200. Mm. I said, okay, what is going on here? And she said, well, when you reboot into safe mode, it clears out the network issues that might have been there, and you should be good to go. Yeah, well, that didn't last. Yeah, it doesn't last. That's yeah. the problem. And then I went into my husband's to check his, and I couldn't even get into safe mode. It just sat there mm. and sat there and sat there and sat there. And I walked away and I came back and it just sat there. I'm like, okay, we're done. So I had to like do a hard reboot to get back in. No matter what I did, it just was not working on his computer. I said, the heck with this. He's not complaining. I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> so what I eventually ended up doing is I called Spectrum... And I said, what is the latest and greatest in your modems? And they looked and saw what I had. And they restarted. I said, I already restarted my mm-hmm. modem. It's not that. And they said, well, yours is about three years old. It should be fine. I said, what is the latest mm-hmm. and greatest? Right. <laughs> great. And they said, yeah, we do have a new one. I'm like, OK, great. So I made an appointment. Yeah, you're paying and for I that, too. New... Yeah. So I went in and I got a new modem and came home and I set everything up and so far, it's it's up and down. There's mm-hmm. no consistency. Mm-hmm. I do not consistently get these high speeds. I find what I have to do is turn off my Wi-Fi, sit for about 10 seconds or so, turn it back on. Sometimes the speed goes up. Sometimes I have to restart my Eero. I noticed before we recorded today, I was getting 30 down. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's not acceptable. So I rebooted the whole computer, got 223.
0: Yeah, I wish I understood that better. I mean, I know that just from being on the field, I do know that replacing the modem is, is one of the things that just has to happen every couple of years. I don't know what inside of these devices breaks down so badly that they only last for three to five years, but that's that's been the case. And what typically has been happening is like like you said, they quietly pushed out you know these higher broadband speeds, and and that's what I've been seeing out here in the West too. Is the major ISPs will you know you'll see you know people up on the on the poles and stuff, and they're doing stuff they do, which is great. I mean, we we all want you know better bandwidth, don't we? I mean, that's what we want. That's that's the goal. But the problem then is, so it's great that they upgrade their their poles, their equipment, their lines, they're pushing out faster broadband. But then what happens is so many people have, and this happened to me and I've, I've seen it happen to you, other people will have this modem that they're like, well, it's only three years old. What's the big deal? And what ends up happening is it's it's what for whatever reason, there's something about the modem that is incapable of handling the new broadband the new speeds that's being pushed out sometimes it is really just an incompatibility where and that this happened to me before too where there's there's a channel mode and it has to be compliant like if you say okay well i'm going to go and spend extra money for this faster speed this faster broadband But I didn't upgrade my modem. Hey, what's the problem? Well, it turns out that you needed to have, you know, uh, six channels instead of three or, you know, something like that. So there's all this, this technical stuff that goes on with modems in particular. And then it gets even more complex when it's a modem and a router that's built in together. I have two separate things. I think you have two separate things. We each have a modem. And then connected to the modem, then we have routers. So we have our right. – our, I, I have a mesh network. I think your Eero is a mesh. Yeah, I've got yeah. the Eero. Yeah, so we have mesh, so that kind of complicates things a little bit. And you have multiple floors, and I have, you know, things that are spread out, and there's concrete, and there's a mirror in between somewhere, you know. So so those all those things – and that's what's so difficult about troubleshooting network connectivity because there are just so many var- variables – but it's really just this process of elimination. And until you go and work through each piece that's connected, you're never going to get to the source problem. And, you know, you could end up replacing it. And if things are working, then great, you probably solve the problem somewhere along the way. I mean, it even could be as something as simple as like, you know, oh, well, you replaced the modem, you replaced the routers, or you rebooted the computer, whatever. But then, Maybe we never, for, we, we never remember to check the type of Ethernet cable that's in between there because maybe it's still using a five, a, a Cat5 and it should be a, a, a Cat5e or a 6 or something. I mean, those, that, can, that can, you know, uh, increase the speed. I mean, there's all these, these little things that combine, they all add up to the total package experience of what it is to have fast broadband, to have, you know, high fast Internet speed.
1: Yeah, In order for me to use Ethernet, I would have to get another adapter. Mm, My hub that I'm using for USB and uh, SD cards does not have an Ethernet port. Mm -hmm. So I'd have to buy another one. And then I'd have to get another uh, cable, Ethernet cable, because I think the Ethernet cables that I have are from like 10 years ago. Mm They were. I my kids use them when they were in college. Yeah, you probably
0: should replace this. So I think I
1: would just have to go out and get a new one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do I really need to? I just did a speed test as you were talking. At, right now, I'm at 143 oh, down.
0: Okay, that's not bad. So it did go down, but we're also recording and we're on Skype. Right, and you know, and to that end, we have also decided to change the way that we you know, put the podcast together. Instead of just relying on the Skype audio, now we're just using our our you know locally recorded audio so i think that's going to solve some of the hiccups but it is frustrating when you're trying to talk to somebody on skype and you you're trying to have a conversation and like they cut out for like a whole like half of a minute you're like i uh tried to parse it together with context and no sorry you're gonna have to repeat that i can't yeah i can't respond (laughs) right so that's that's where it really matters so that was that's been frustrating well, so it sounds like, you know, it sounds like replacing the modem is definitely one step in the right direction and, you know. Yeah, it definitely helped. Yeah. So it's just something to remember, you know, there's there's all these different pieces, all these different moving parts that are involved and, you know, check the modem, make sure that you're replacing it every every so many years because it's all about getting what you're paying for, especially if you're paying a rental fee for the modem, you're paying Oh, them. which I am not. No. Oh, that's no, good. See? I am not. So it's you just free. it, Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, when well, that's
1: ta- No, no, no. When it was Time Warner, you had to pay for it, mm-hmm. which is a crazy amount of money. That's yeah. when I went out up, and I bought the you Motorola. You
0: spending like double the amount if you would have just purchased
1: your own modem. Oh, yeah. It was a yeah. crazy amount of money. Mm-hmm. So that's when I bought the Motorola modem. And then once it turned into Spectrum... They gave it to you for free, but of course they increases their price anyway. So yeah, so you're still paying. for it. They didn't get you
0: on one side; you're getting it on uh, the other. Yeah, so you're still you're still paying for it. So the the point is, is like you know you're paying for this get your money's worth get the speeds that you're paying for and if hardware is part of the package deal get the latest hardware because you know they're they're supposed to be supplying that for you so you might Yeah as well.
1: and if you don't want to pay the rental fee for the modem and some people they just can't be bothered and that's not a that's not a knock that's just you know mm-hmm. you got to you have to do you you do you but they just can't be bothered figuring out, well, if I don't use theirs, then I have to go to Best Buy and I don't know which one to get. You can call your cable company or you can go on their website and they will give you a list of compatible yes. modems.
0: Yes. I struggled with major choice paralysis for the longest time years ago. And honestly that's what kept me, you know, circling the drain with these issues because I couldn't decide which modem I wanted. Did I want a combo? Did I want a single? Did I want this? Did I want that? And there is, there's just a lot of choices out there. But you're right, they do they they do make it a little bit easier now because they do give you kind of like a shopping list in a way. They say, okay, what kind of uh, broadband do you have? Like what speeds do you have? Okay, if you have these speeds, then you need like these, you know, pick from one of these six or seven, you know, routers or modems. I mean, it does, it, there's still a bit of choice paralysis, but at least it does kind of narrow it down a little bit. So it's not quite as bad as it used to be. But then there's, you know, the whole router market, then that's where the choice paralysis comes back in. Like I really love these uh, TP-Link, um, uh, what did I get? I got the the deco, the M5, I think it's called. I really think they're fantastic. They're really great, like hardware-wise, and the the connection has been really awesome. But the lack of parental controls is driving me up the wall.
1: <laughs> it's just it's, Hero has a lot. Hero has abysmal. a lot, but 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 you do have to pay for some of it. Yeah. yeah. So and and I'm not in that
0: position anymore. So. For me, it's a non-issue. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those things where I kind of wish I knew just a little bit more about the software end of things, like how their app handled that. But it's it's not frozen in time. I mean, they are starting to make improvements. I'm starting to see little changes here and there. So maybe with all of us all, you know, learning from home and working from home and having to deal with kids in the home and trying to play whack-a-mole with everything, uh, maybe maybe they're being responsive to it. So one can only hope. <laughs> All right. So we're we're connected. We've got we've got password management down. Um what else? I think that was it on our list. Um there's still I'm still troubleshooting the the Siri reminders issue. I don't know if if you or the listeners or anybody else is having this issue. I, I would like some feedback on this if anybody has any, but um, a feature that I like to use a lot is I bring my watch up to my, I, you know, I raise my, my wrist and see, she's ready. She's ready to do it now. And I say something to the effect of like, uh, remind me, remind me to check the mailbox in 15 minutes, you know, or the big one was always, you know, um, hey, Siri, remind me to check the washer in 15 minutes. And then she'd say, okay. And
1: okay. then, okay, add to
0: so she added it to today's reminders. And so this is the problem that I'm having is I look down at my watch and it says that she added it to my list, but it's not my reminders list. It's not, you know, my personal reminders list. She adds it to a list that I have that's called health. And originally the problem was finances. Like I would say, okay, you know, remind me about the washer. She'd say, okay, but then she put it on the finances list. And that bothers me because I share that list with my husband. And if I'm all throughout the day, you know, saying, remind me this, remind me about this, remind me about that. While he's teaching, I don't want his watch or his phone going off and constantly, you know, him getting my reminders. Those are my reminders. I want them to go to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I want the kids to check the mailbox, then yeah, I'm going to have, you know, have it put it on the home list so that they get to see that that's a, you know, task that I've assigned them. That's what I'm trying to use it for. But to put it on the health list or the finance list, it's just, it's, it's, it's arbitrarily picking, and it's only on the watch, it's not on the phone. It's arbitrarily picking a default reminders list that is not matching what it says in settings on my phone. And when I go to the Apple Knowledge Base article, you know, how to troubleshoot these things, make sure that the default list that you have selected in settings is is there and, and you make sure that they match. Well, it doesn't. Siri just decides that she's going to put it on the health list or the finance list or whatever she decides yeah, to do Yeah, that's that what day. I was
1: just looking up because I have that too. My default list is reminders. I'm wondering, is it because it's using the
0: last list that you used? I thought so too, but I've tried all different ways. I Again, this is one of those things where I triaged it. I triaged it so heavily. Like I tried, you know, unpairing my watch, repairing my watch. I tried, the one thing that made a change was when I went into iCloud and I checked off. And remember when we were talking to Scott about, you know, making backups and remember how I'm like, really like, oh my God, I can't lose my reminders list Mm -hmm. because like I live there, (laughs) you know, and I was like trying to find a way to back that up and stuff. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I would do this, but I, I disabled the switch. I thought, well, you know, it'll be on one of my other devices. So I just toggled the switch off in iCloud. And when I toggled it back on and rebooted it changed, so it was going to the finance list. Now it's going to the health list that I have set up. And these are my own, you know, additional lists that I have set up in reminders. But those are the ones that I have shared with family members. So Nate and I share a finance list so that we can keep track of bills and things like that. And then there's a health list to keep track of medical appointments and you know, give the dog her her heart guard pill, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but those are things that are shared with the family. But my reminders list is the only is one of the lists that only I see, you know, everybody else has their own reminders. I even tried changing it to something else like to do, you know, but then you have to like, train your mouth to make the words come out. (laughs) I mean, like, it's like spells and incantations, you have to learn a new spell to tell Siri so that it goes to the right place. And so I'm just saying it used to work, it used to be that I would say, hey, remind me to check this in 15 minutes, and then in 15 minutes, you know, I would look down and, yeah, no problem. But now when I look down, it says that it's, okay, I'm going to do that. And I'll also put it on your health list for you. Like, no, I don't want it on that list. I don't want Um, it on the list that goes to other family members.
1: Hey, Siri. Remind me
0: to watch The Walking Dead tomorrow. Let's see which list she put on it's on my reminders. Yes, yeah, so it goes right to your reminders. Now, the thing is, do you do you get jiggy with your reminders? Do you have other lists set up? I do. Do you? Okay. Interesting. Well,
1: so and it's on my reminders list to watch the walking dead tomorrow. Right to your phone. It did show up. Yes. Yep, see? it's on the correct list, which I'm now going to delete.
0: <laughs> but um that's exactly how it used to work for me and yeah. I don't know what changed. It had something to do with watchOS 7, I think. But something got broke somewhere along the way. And so I uh, I contacted Apple. And it was a very interesting experience, I will say. Um, just like you, you were explaining, you know, she had you running like speed tests and stuff. Mm-hmm. This was yeah. very interesting. And I, I don't know if you've experienced this. I think you may have. But he actually had me doing diagnostics on both my phone oh, yeah, and my All watch. the time. That is all the fascinating, yep. actually. I mean, it, you know, it's kind of a pain to like sit there and, and, and watch it go. But we were just chatting, like shooting the breeze, nerding out on all the stuff. So the, I actually had a really great experience. And, and I always have had the few times that I've had to do it where I've had to escalate a problem to the engineering department. Like the engineers are pretty cool to talk to, you know, just to kind of hang out while we're waiting for the, the diagnostic to run. Um so that was a multi-phone call, you know, back and forth, like, okay, you know, we're looking at the logs and this and that. They did tell me there's nothing that I'm doing wrong, that this is definitely a bug, that it has something to do with with Siri and the Apple Watch. You know, it's, it's not a problem on my phone because if I try to do the same thing on my phone, no problem. It just has to do with the default list that Siri is choosing, is, is picking somehow on the Apple Watch. That there's a problem. And, you know, maybe I'm a fringe case. I don't know. But this is something that they're definitely, you know, they said, yep, it's definitely a problem. It's definitely a bug. So I basically filed a, a bug report. <laughs> my first bug report it may not be my first bug report, but it's the first one where I've actually like gone through the whole long diagnostic process and and submitted <laughs> logs and now they know everything about me. <laughs> mm-hmm. As if they already didn't. But Yeah. So that was an interesting thing. So I hope I'll I'll keep I'll keep on it because I really want to see that work. And, you know, I'm going to be doing the Snoopy dance when it is ever fixed. And every time there's an update, I keep thinking, oh, did it fix it? Did it fix it? So that's where I'm at with that. And and with that, I think it's time to wrap it up. Yeah, I think so. So, Melissa, if people want to get in touch with us, how would they do so? Let's see if I can remember this. We have an email address that I believe is podcast at geekiestshowever dot com. Um, it is. We have a Twitter uh, that is geekiest show. So that's at geekiest show. And mm-hmm. then uh, you can go to our website, the geekish or not? It's not. It's not that. It's just geekiestshowever dot com, and click on the comments and send us a comment that isn't spam. <laughs> <laughs> Did I miss? Okay. Any?
1: No, I think you got everything. So we will take this time to thank you all for listening. Thank you so much. And use those different methods that Melissa just gave you to get in touch with us. We would love your feedback, your show ideas, and just uh, let's have a conversation. So I will say for both of us, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in a couple weeks. And please stay safe. Hi, I'm Bart Buzschatz, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month, I gather together a panel of
0: Apple followers, and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a forty thousand foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie.